0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. This is our sermon series, Sacred Habits, how practicing the way of Jesus helps you to flourish spiritually and stay grounded emotionally. I am very excited about this topic. If we were to have a meter, I would break it. And my hope is that we'll have a lot of broken meters all over the sanctuary floor at the end of this sermon by God's grace. Uh, Y'all pray with me before I forget like I did in the first sermon. Lord Jesus, we love you. We are grateful for how you have given your life for us so that we could have life. And Lord, on the Sabbath, this day conditions us to be people who are fully alive. Lord, be with us today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are, as we have said, we're wrapping up our series called Sacred Habits. Um, this is a fitting place for the, the, the uh, um, Sabbath sermon to go because, uh, one, the Sabbath is at the end of the week, And so this is the end of the the, uh, sermon or the uh, series. But also, uh, Sabbath sort of incorporates all the other habits that we've talked about. When we Sabbath, we have space for sacred uh, solitude, Scripture, fellowship, and sacred pace. And just to define our terms a little bit here, when we say Sabbath, what we're talking about is it was a 24-hour period that Israel would stop their work. It was a day every week, and the uh, Sabbath would start on Friday at sundown, and it would continue until Saturday at sundown as well. The word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, uh, which is Shabbat, which comes from the word that just means to stop or to rest. And I think, um, when I think about Sabbath, to me, it reminds me a lot about birthday cake. Now, hang on and track with me. Um, This happened with all of our children, but I just have the pictures of uh, Wells, and so this is, he's going to be my opening illustration for you all today. On his first birthday, this was the first time that he was going to eat solid food. All his life, he's been eating mush, orange mush, brown mush, green mush, different mush. And we Uh, On this special day for him, we put a felt crown on his head. We back him against a brick wall. We surround him with people taking pictures of him. And we see, eat this big thing that you've never put in your face before. It's bigger than your face. And he is not having any of it, as you can tell. Um, He is thinking, why would I ever put something this big in my mouth? This is terrifying, right? And as you can see, my wife had to actually force feed him. And this, like, while we're doing this, we're like, well, just take a bite, buddy, please. Just take one bite. Because once you do, once you take a bite, this will blow your one-year-old mind. This is going to be life-changing. And that's how I feel about Sabbath. That's my prayer today for, for you all. Because this next picture, you can see when he finally did take this bite... <laughs> He figured it out. <laughs> now, he, he wasn't very good at eating cake, but he enjoyed eating cake. And you can bet he wanted to eat more cake in the future. And he's very good at eating cake now. So my prayer leading up to today was I want you all to just consider, just take a bite. Just, just try Sabbath once. Sabbath, will, for a lot of us, will be a new concept, um, is actually a very ancient concept. Uh, God, or Christians have been doing it for 2,000 years. Jesus did it, and the Jews did it for a millennia before uh, Jesus was, was even born. Um, a lot of times when I think about or I talk about Sabbath, <clears throat> the biggest question that people ask me is, do Christians have to Sabbath? Which is to say, if you don't Sabbath, is this a matter of repentance, There are a lot of more intelligent people than me who come down on different sides of this. But my conviction is um, Christians do not have to Sabbath, but Christians should Sabbath. So, in the end, there's like all these theological squabbles. But at the end of the day, the Sabbath is something beautiful, the Sabbath um, is a gift. The Sabbath is a should, but not a have to, and so that's what we're going to explore today. So let's, and before we get into the the passage, I think there's a lot of questions of like, okay, so what day are you supposed to Sabbath? How long do you Sabbath? When do what do you do on Sabbath? We will get to all of that, Um, but let's just think about, before we get to the application, the practicality of things, let's think about, what does the scripture say um, in Exodus is the first passage that we'll we'll look at. And so this is the passage that Anna Anna read. Um, Just drawing your attention, the command is pretty straightforward. It's to have this day, to stop what you're doing, and and to rest. And then it expands on that, right? Um, Moses says, you, your son or daughter— your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. So this is a command not to a person, but to a community. And, and if, if the business owner or the people that can um, arrange their own schedules, they are Sabbathing, but they're not permitting the people without much influence or without much power, the employees, to Sabbath, this is an issue for the whole community obedience is to the Sabbath is a synchronization of the rhythm of rest for the community. And I think what's interesting is the reason. So there's the command at the front. Verse 11 is, is the reason. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, because of that, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. And just a few observations Um, the, The law was given to the Jews, but the reasoning is actually universal, right? Like God created mankind and he made creation and in creation, he wove in and out this rhythm of work and rest. And so even though this is a command to the Jews, there's a sense in which it is universally beneficial for people to have this regular rhythm of work and rest, a second thing, this, one of the reasons why we Sabbath is because it reminds us of the creator-creation distinction. See, when Israel rests, they were forced to remember that the universe continues on, whether they're working or not. Their life continues on. Their life is sustained. And by taking this day off, it is, it is a, the Sabbath is a, a mentor, a teacher of this lesson And then lastly, I touched on earlier, Sabbath is for the community. It synchronizes the rhythms of the community. Really interesting um, little historical factoid, Uh, the Soviet Union uh, and Stalin did not like the seven-day week because um, the whole uh, community, the country, the nation would come to rest on one day. And I don't know if you've ever heard about Stalin, but when he wants his Chick-fil-A, he's gotta have his (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And also, um, the word for Saturday in Russian uh, comes from the word Sabbath, and Sunday comes from the word resurrection. And so Soviet Union is, is is a atheistic state, and the state is supposed to occupy the place of the family and the place of a deity, right? The state is supposed to be everything. And so when the community has this day where everybody gets to rest, the, the, the rhythm of the calendar actually runs against what he wants, which is that the state is the family. And so what he did is he chopped off two, two days and he made a five-day rotation, which is interesting because a seven-day rotation with one off day, you get 52 days off in a year. When you do a five-day rotation, you actually get, I think it was 73 days off. So the people got more, but He uh, shuffled the days that people had off, and he renamed the days, which I found this to be interesting names for days, one, Wheat Sheaf, two, Red Star, three, Hammer and Sickle, four, Book, and five, my favorite day of the week, Woolen Military Cap. I'm not making this stuff up. And so there was this card that people would get that would assign, okay, so I am a Woolen Military Cap day off guy. Um, But my wife would be hammer and sickle girl. And so we would have different days off. But it's all good because we actually have more days to rest, right? This little experiment only lasted 11 years because the people hated it. They hated it. And from this example, we learned that we we don't just need days off. But communities flourish when they have regular, synchronized rhythm of rest. Families flourish when every member in the family gets to rest together and to worship. Communities, churches flourish when there's regular rest. The Exodus passage teaches us that we rest because God is our creator. Let's look at another passage. This is from Deuteronomy. Um, Now, a little uh, behind context for when Deuteronomy is given Exodus was given right after Israel came out of the Exodus, or out of Egypt. And the law was given. You can read the, the reasoning. Deuteronomy is Moses re giving, retelling the law a second time before Israel enters into the promised land, after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And, and Moses is recontextualizing. He's given the same law, but he's recontextualizing that law for a new situation. And so I want you to read the underlined part. This is the reasoning part for the Deuteronomy passage. So just take a minute and just read it silently to yourself and consider what is different and then why is it different? Why did Moses give this differently? it's, It's interesting, right? There's something about the day, the practice of stopping our work and resting that is to remind Israel that they are free. Because Israel, they no longer have parents or grandparents or community leaders that were building bricks without straw in Egypt, that they never had a day off. There's nobody in their community who saw the little frogs hopping down the Egyptian streets, right? Nobody saw the hail. Nobody heard the wails of Egyptian parents holding their children who wiped the blood on the lintel or walked through the Red Sea. And so Moses is saying that the day of stopping and resting regularly, week after week, is a reminder that Israel is free. And when God's people forget that we were once enslaved, that's a great way to shift into living like we are no longer free. Now, here's what's powerful about the Sabbath for us. How much more reason do we have as God's people, as followers of Jesus, to celebrate these realities? See, when we Sabbath, when we stop and when we rest, we are actually, we're not only thinking and reminding ourselves that God is creator, but we are living it. Six days a week, we go about frenetically about our pace, right? Working, earning. But this day, we stop, and we, we realize and we know in the fullest sense of the term that we are not in control because we know we're going to wake up the next morning and everything's going to still be there. Our job is still going to be there. All of the worries of the world are still going to be there. And also, we also realize that we are free Like on the Sabbath, we realize and we live the reality that we are not slaves to whatever the trends of the culture are. We're not slaves to money. We're not slaves to materialism, to the approval of other people. We embody these gospel truths on the Sabbath. And I think we default to thinking about what it means to be human is that we are brains on a stick. If we just hear the right things and know the right things, we will be transformed into the right thing but consider you have two children. You shower both of them with praise. You tell both of them you love them. You give them affection verbally. One of them you hug, you hold, you squeeze, you put on your lap. The other one you never touch for their entire life. These two children grow up to be very different people because we not only need to hear truth, but we need to experience and feel truth. And that is the power of the gospel. See, if we are podcasting and we're coming in here in sermons and we're reading the books, but every day of our lives, we are living like our universe depends upon us. We are living like slaves to whatever the cultural idols of our day are, the culture, the idols of our heart. Who, who does that shape us to become? Surely this has impact on our lives. I want you to imagine a man or a woman who their whole lives, they practice the habit of Sabbath, and they're not doing it for legalism, which is to say, I do this so that God loves me rather than I do this because God loves me. They're not legalistic, they're not lazy where they're uh, removing themselves from all other priorities in their life, but they do it for love. Who is this person in high school? What are they like? What do their friends think about them? Who is she as a as a young mother? What type of family develops? Like not perfect, right? Who is she uh, as an empty nester or in the twilight of her time on earth? Do you want to be near this person? Is this person filled with life and delight? They have a generosity of spirit because they know that they're not in control. Somebody else is. And they are free. See, I think this shapes this person to be like Jesus. And that's the whole thing about habits. Habits. We don't necessarily do them for that day. We, like, we don't do it for this weekend. We do it for the long run. Who is it making us to become? Making us into be like Jesus. Now, I want you to have another mental experiment. I think there are very real barriers to people in this room going out and doing this this, this coming week. But let's just, like, put those on hold for just for a moment I think there are questions of like, how do you actually Sabbath? And we will get to those in a minute. But just pretend like you have the space to do this. What if for six months, every single week, you did this? Who would you be at the end of August? How would this shape how you relate with Jesus or other people? How would this shape your family? How would this shape our church if everybody did it? I think we would be trending in the direction of joyfulness, of peace, of delight, which is to say, trending in the direction of Christlikeness. I think, like I said, there are very real barriers for us. Our economy is very different than Israel, right? Um, We all have uh, obligations but maybe we need to let our obligations expire and not re-up on them and be faithful to those, but once they are finished, to reconsider what are our priorities. Because I think if we as a people, families, singles, high school students, college students, if every single week we have a day where we are just reveling in the fact that the pressure is off, God is in control, he's on the throne, I'm not, I don't need to have it all together, and I'm free. I am a child. He has done it all for me. If we do that, week after week after week, it will have an impact on us. It will have an impact and we will be shaped to be more and more like Jesus. And so we hear this and we think, wow, this, this sounds really good. This sounds really appealing. What can be will be if it must be. Which is to say another way, if we value it, we will make sacrifices in our schedule to allow for that to happen. And maybe you can't do it next this coming week. And maybe you can't do it in a month. But I want you to just take a bite of the cake, right? Just try. Because I think the cake will sell it for you. I think that if you just take a little step in that direction, it will be so nice to feel that you don't have to have it all under control all the time and that you are free, that you will be motivated to take those next steps also. You know, it's, um, even if you do have the space to Sabbath, it's not all, you know, daisies and unicorns and roses or whatnot. My family and I, we have been on this like probably for five years or so on a Sabbath journey. Sometimes we're doing great. Sometimes we're not doing so great. Um, But one of the things I have learned is that Sabbath is both beautiful and filled with joy, and it's also really hard. It's hard because on the Sabbath, I turn my phone off, there are no distractions, and I can actually hear my heart. And usually, it's not so pretty. See, everybody has these things we long for, we think will fulfill us, will give us joy, but we don't recognize them as the idols that they are six days out of the week because we are so distracted with all the things we're doing, all of our entertainment, all all the things that we numb. But on the Sabbath, I recognize that that that, that siren call is a liar. And I wake up, this is true story, this happened yesterday. I wake up and about like 11 a.m. or noon I start to get an itch to pick up my phone and I something deep inside the dark pockets of my heart I want to see did somebody email me and does somebody need me because I want to be needed because if I'm needed then I can make them happy. It sounds really ugly to say but I think I'm not alone in that desire and that sentiment. And so if if if, the other thing is like sometimes, I'm not, I'm not doing a great job of selling Sabbath right now, by the way, but I will get a physical, like my chest will feel tight when I start thinking about the day, to, the week to come. I will think, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff I got to do and I'm not doing anything today. Like what in the world is going on? But this is a way to physically experience that I am not God, I'm not the creator, and I am free. And these things that are going through my mind, you better bet that these things are going through my mind every other day of the week. I just don't recognize them, and therefore I cannot preach the gospel and kill those thoughts. The quiet, the silence of Sabbath allows you to hear your heart for what it is and, and, and uh, preach the gospel to it. So we're going to get to the practicality side of things. Um so I hope like right now you're like okay I'm I'm open to eating cake. I don't know how to use a fork. I don't know, you know, it's kind of demeaning. You guys are more intelligent than a 1-year-old. Um so I'll sh- shift metaphors. You are open to to uh the sabbath, but you're like okay, so what do I do? Cuz it's pretty like um vague. Just stop. It's like okay, what do, what do you do? Um First of all, I think if we're going to have to set ourselves up for success on the Sabbath, we need to prepare for the Sabbath. Um, When Israel was wandering around the wilderness and God was providing manna for them, they would wake up and gather the manna and that would be good for what they needed for that day. But on the sixth day, which is called the day of preparation, God would provide twice as much manna and they would collect it so that the seventh day, the day of rest, they would not have to work. Which is to say that Israel had to do twice as much work on Friday than they did in any other day of the week. And I remember when we first started doing the Sabbath, I was like really discouraged because I was like, man, Fridays are terrible. Like running around like a crazy person, doing laundry. Like what good is it to rest on the Sabbath? I'm just like burnt out on Friday. But what I've realized is somehow in God's wisdom, He knows that this is actually good to to grind and go for it on Friday and have a finish line and be able to step back, rest, have peace. And part of like being a good neighbor and loving people may involve like making sure all your emails are responded to on Friday. This is not laziness, right? Like you're not just like piecing out, but what you're doing is you're setting the table, so to speak, for a Sabbath delight. And so you're doing the things you get in the groceries. It, it will be tiring, but man, Friday nights, whew, they are amazing. Now, real briefly, we do the Friday night to Saturday night. In theory, it's normally like Friday night to like Saturday afternoon. Um, what day do you do the Sabbath? Whatever day you can do the Sabbath. That's my that's my uh, thought on that. Do you have to do 24 hours? The Sabbath is not about have to. The Sabbath is about get to, and the Sabbath is about grace. So if you're saying like, hey, I can only do six hours, great. If you go from like kind of a frenetic pace to having six hours where you're disconnecting, you're stopping, and you're delighting in Jesus, I'm going to be cheering you on. I'm excited for you. For me personally, the inertia of my heart takes like 18 hours to stop. My mind gets so cranked up throughout the week that if I don't give a full day, I actually don't come to rest. And some of you, like, you go on vacations and you're so exhausted it takes the first half of the vacation to actually start enjoying the vacation. Similar principle. So, no, when we ask these questions, like, well, should I? Like, the, the Sabbath is about grace. There's one every single week. It's about the long game. So we have the freedom to just try stuff, to learn, to see how it goes and to, to find joy. So what do you do? What's a framework for what do we do? Well, I find these three uh, verbs to be helpful just as a framework um, to guide us in the right direction. One is stop, two is rest, and three is delight. And so as we as our family, we're thinking about the Sabbath, we are, we're kind of viewing it through this lens. Stop is stopping our work. The the thing that tethers me to my source of income, I am severing for 24 hours. Because I'm trying to, to, to be taught by this special day that life does not depend upon me. My family's well-being does not depend upon me. So for me, I turn off my phone, I turn off my computer. I tell people, by, by this time, everybody knows that I work with, that I'm not going to respond. Um, and no, nobody texts me. Like I turn on my phone at the end of Sabbath. I'm like, oh, I wonder. And it's like, no, nope, nobody, nobody's texting me on Sabbath because they know. Um, but we stop. And so there's a question of like, well, what, what is work? I think work is different for, for all of us. Um, there's this beautiful Jewish proverb. I couldn't figure out who originally said it, but, but the saying goes, those who work with their hands rest with their minds. And those who work with their minds rest with their hands. That's not all true for everybody, but that is certainly true for me. I do a lot of thinking and, and mind work in my profession. And on the Sabbath, I love yard work. I love mowing the lawn. You know, some people that would not be restful, that is very restful, to just go in a straight line and just mow that grass..) <laughs> but if you are, if you work at UPS and, and you're you know, moving pa- uh, boxes all week, like probably maybe reading poetry or reading a good book, like that's something that gives you rest. And we're kind of getting into there's all overlapping, but now we're in the second category of rest. Like w- what is restful to your mind, your body and your soul? What breathes life back, back in? We have a fireplace in our home that we love to use on the Sabbath. And you light it and the flames go up. But over time, the flames start to die down and you need to nudge it to rearrange the logs so that the fire can kind of come back. And that's what for me, that's kind of the visual I have for Sabbath. I am doing whatever it is that ignites my joy and my desire and my longing for the Lord that day. So maybe for you, it's listening to a great album. Maybe it's going outside, making a special meal. It's, what, it's whatever you do that fills you with delight. And I, every single time, I'm just thinking like, what type of God tells his people to just stop and all you do all day is just enjoy? Who, who does that? It's the type of God that would create this beautiful creation of mountains and valleys and seas, and and he would die for you so that you could enjoy him forever. That's the type of God who would tell us to Sabbath, and that's the type of God that invites us in to Sabbath. The last one, um, or excuse me, uh, as we consider... Who, um, just how Sabbath works will be different for, for different people, right? So, if you're a college student, Sabbath means probably not studying, putting your books down. If you have little kids, Sabbath is going to be chaos. <laughs> I'll tell you that from experience. But that's okay, because again, Sabbath is about grace. So, if it doesn't go that well, this is about a lifetime formation to be like Jesus. So, it's okay. If you're single, you Sabbath with your your family. But again, it's about Jesus being formed in us. My, My idol of being approved by other people is killed by embodying this gospel truth on the Sabbath. I go into hiding on the Sabbath so that I can remember that I'm seen. I surround myself with people who love me but are not impressed with me. <laughs> Imagine what that will shape, how that will shape me. Every week, a day to stop, rest, delight, be with people who don't care how good I'm doing on a Sunday morning. They just like being in my presence. That will make me more and more like Jesus, like a child in the kingdom who has a father, who has it all taken care of and just wants us to enjoy. Because here's the deal. We will live like that for eternity. And so the Sabbath is conditioning us, it's coaching us to live like that. I want to um, provide some quick application, which will come as no surprise. I want you all to try the Sabbath this week. But there are people who, you know, I don't want to be too simplistic with this because people are all over the place. So there are some people when I say, hey, Sabbath this week, you say, I do, I do. And um, you are waiting for me to finish my talk on the Sabbath so you can get on with your Sabbath, right? (laughs) My encouragement for you is that because this has been so life-giving for you, think about how you can invite other people into this day. There will be people in your community group that you know here, you serve with, who are like trying to figure it out. Just remind them it's okay. It's like the Sabbath is about grace and joy. Invite them into what you do. Help them figure out how to do it and it works with their life. So if you respond, I do then consider who, how you can invite more people in. If you, um, if you hear me say, hey, try to Sabbath this weekend, you say, I have. That is to say, there, there have been seasons when we, we or I have done this in the past, but I'm currently not in it. Well, I have been in that situation before, and a lot of people are in those situation before. And so the invitation for you is to consider how do you, how do you get back into a habit again, and my challenge to you is to consider, be strategic. How can you string together four or four, four weeks in a row? Try to do four weeks in a row of Sabbathing. And if you do, your reward will be you get to Sabbath for a fifth week in a row. <laughs> and then lastly, some people are, are sitting here saying, Hey, that sounds real great, but I can't do that. I can't sabbath, I can't take a full day off. Are you crazy? Well, I think, again, the last thing I want is for people to walk out of here and look at their schedule and be like, there's no way I can do this this week and just feel terrible and crushed because the Sabbath is about grace. The Sabbath is a gift. So questions would be like, okay, what is one little step in this habit that you can take? If you, if you don't do any time of intentionally turning your phone off, maybe you just carve out six hours this coming week. That is a win. Maybe you, and then you just try to create space, make that longer and longer. I think there are other people who, legitimately, um, because of financial circumstances, maybe a boss, you're thinking like, no, 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 Josh, you don't understand. I, le- I legitimately cannot take a day off. Seven days a week, I am being called. I'm working, you know, uh, two jobs just to put food, food on the table. And for this person, I would say this is not a problem for you. This is a problem for all of us. Because that Exodus passage says that the community is to provide space for everybody to Sabbath. And if you are unable to Sabbath, you are being forced to live an existence that is subhuman. Because Sabbath, or, uh, to be human is to work and to rest and some people find themselves in situations where they, they legitimately cannot get out of this endless cycle of work. And I'll, all I'll say here is that church, this is our job to help people live as fully human people and to leverage our resources and our connections to get them in a situation where they can rest and they can flourish as an image bearer. The place I want to land today is I want to look at Jesus. And as I was studying uh, for this sermon, I, was, um, I knew Jesus does stuff on the Sabbath, right? But I, I, I was shocked by how much he does on the Sabbath. And I think um, sometimes the gospel writers say a lot without saying much. And as you just start to read through and sort through all the the stuff that Jesus does on the Sabbath, it was, it was honestly uh, surprising to me and moving. When Jesus comes out of uh, the, the 40 days in the wilderness and he opens up the Isaiah scroll and he begins his public ministry, that day was a Sabbath day. Isn't that interesting? He said, today this, this is fulfilled on a Sabbath. And right after he does that, he begins healing people Um, It says in Luke that people came to him all day. Jesus preaches the kingdom and he heals people. Beginning of Luke 6, uh, in the middle of Luke 6, it says, on another Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and a man with a a shriveled hand comes up. After preaching, he heals that hand. There's another, uh, Luke 14. Um, He's eating with the Pharisees on a Sabbath, A man who's swollen with edema comes, and he heals him. There's plenty of other examples, but you get the point. Frequently, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom, and he's healing people. What is he doing? Well, I think a clue is if we go back to Genesis, the foundation for that Exodus reason why we Sabbath, and we look at the creation account, And after the first day of creation, we see that there was evening and morning the first day. The second day, there's evening and morning the second day. This pattern exists, but what's fascinating is that that doesn't happen on the seventh day. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say evening, morning. That is to say, there's a little bit of a hint in Genesis that the seventh day is the way that life was supposed to be lived from then on. Because there was no end. But, but Genesis 3 comes, and sin enters the world, and our work is cursed so much that we have to put it down to rest. Our bodies are broken. We have sin and cancer and Alzheimer's. Our heart is darkened with sin, and this is the world that Jesus steps into. And on Sabbath days, he loved to pro- proclaim that his kingdom had come. And he loved to remake people into that kingdom by healing their bodies, healing their eyesight, healing their, their, their hands and their hearts to, to say, this is the type of people that will live in my kingdom. And it was on another Sabbath day, the day, well, the day before, the day of preparation, that he is hung up on a tree. And while the next day when all of Israel is resting in their homes, Jesus is resting lifeless in a tomb. And it is to say that during his earthly ministry on Sabbath, this day was the battleground for extending the walls of his kingdom. But on this Sabbath day, he allows the walls of darkness to come crashing down on him so that not only is this a special day for Jews, but this is a special day for everybody. Not only is he saying, hey, the kingdom has come, but he establishes his kingdom and he brings healing for everybody. Not just physical, but he heals the sin that has infected us. And he rises the next day which is the first day of a new week, which is to say, this is a first day of a new created order. This is the way life was always supposed to be lived. This is the way life will be lived for eternity. And friends, we are in this in-between where we are seeing the kingdom advance. And when we celebrate the Sabbath day, we are experiencing a small glimmer of the joy and the beauty and the goodness that we will all have as a family for the rest of eternity. And what I want us to to feel is that this day is special, but apart from what Jesus did on that weekend, it is meaningless. it's like if you pick up a lamp and you walk too far from the outlet, the light's gonna go out. So for us followers of Jesus, let us stay connected. Let us never untether the gospel power with the beauty of this day. When we Sabbath and we enjoy, we do this because of what Jesus has done for us. And for those, of, for those of us here, you don't identify as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here from an invite or a friend. I think that this message, this, this idea of a whole day that you wake up and it feels like Christmas morning without the gifts. But the wonder and the delight and the freedom that we experience on Christmas morning, that's what we're supposed to get every single day or every single week. And you hear that, and because of the past two years, you think, man, that would be amazing. That sounds so nice. I want that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, all, all I want to encourage you is to, to consider is that at the end of the day, it's just a day. Like what you want and what you need is not a day of rest. What you need is to somebody, for somebody to take that burden away from you. This burden and this pressure and this anxiety, this feeling a slave to a way of life that you don't want to be part of, of sin that you can't t- get out of, the day can never rescue, from that, rescue you from that. You don't need a day, you need a person. And his name is Jesus and he is our creator and he is our redeemer. And so this Sabbath that's coming up, if you decide to consider to do it, My encouragement is to to think that the Jews did this in expectation. We do, Christians do it in celebration. You do it in experimentation. Like, carve out a day, open up the Bible, read through Luke, and consider this man who claims to be God, who claims to be Redeemer, and who offers to come to him because his burden is light. Sojourn, we celebrate the Sabbath because it is awesome, but we celebrate it because it shapes us into Christ-likeness. We do another habit weekly as well, and it's called communion. We don't think of it as a habit, but we do. We do it every single week. Um, We do it, and it engages all five of our senses. And just like a Sabbath, like if we remove the gospel power, this is, all this is is just a piece of bread and wine. It has no power. But we do this as a, as a community. We do it together. And we do it to remind us in very tangible ways, just as we do the Sabbath, to remind us in very tangible ways that you are free and the pressure's off. You are a child of the kingdom. And what your job to do right now is to taste the juice and the bread and delight. If you're not a Christian, just like Sabbath, this means nothing apart from the gospel. So instead of taking this communion meal, take Christ. When Jesus, two days before he was resting on that Sabbath day, He took a piece of bread, he held it high, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you can take this cup and take the wafer first. And as a family, let's do this together. And as you taste it, consider this is a tangible reminder and expression of God's love for you. Jesus also held a cup filled with wine and he said this is the blood of my new covenant shed for you take this in remembrance of me so sojourn as we take this juice your taste buds are trying to tell you that you are a child deeply loved would you pray with me